BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall. And the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Gibson could change instruments forever. Halsey gets their release. All this and more. On the Biz Tape. Welcome to the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my Nashville correspondent, Colin McKay. Come from you live. I guess you're not in Nashville right now, actually. I am in the SoCal (laughs) of the South, if you will. Um, which is <laughs> which called is Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes, yes, yes. It's the best place on earth. Um, Joe grew have up you partially gone to in Knoxville, so I know that you have tremendous memories, or I, I think a correct word was trauma related to Knoxville yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah, things going around there. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Knoxville trauma is definitely a collective experience Knoxville. for people growing up there. Dude, that's a fucking um, good band name, the Knoxville Trauma. Knoxville Trauma. Honestly, yeah. I would not be surprised if a band was called that and then they broke up. Because bands in Knoxville, they're not like Nashville where it's like you you break up and then like you actually go to other bands and like you do your thing. Like when you break up your band in Knoxville, like that's the end of your music career. You're done. <laughs> You can't keep going. I guess you could go uh, and play. Uh, where is it down? You in, could go uh, play at churches. Yeah, that's what or I'm yeah, you can do like the very like the reverb pedal like delay, just like coasting through it. Right. But what's funny is like Knoxville does have like some weirdly cool venues. Like there's this one venue that's like it's almost like pitch black. It's in like this warehouse, and you walk in and it's pirate themed. And they have like a they have like a makeshift island in the center, 
And uh, they have like, they literally have one light shining down on like the lead and that's it. So the rest of the band, you can't hear them. No way. Um, but like, it's kind of cool. It's like, I don't, I think it's called like, what is that movie that's, um, um, it's about pirates or whatever. Oh it's man, like Castaway Joe, or something. Just me it's like a, it's like a movie classic Hollywood movie. Um, uh, no, it's a, uh, it's. <laughs> Uh, damn. Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Muppet no, Treasure uh, Island. I don't know. That uh, one. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that's There's it. There's exclusively um, in Knoxville a Muppet Treasure Island theme. No, it was Treasure time. Island, though. It was Treasure Treasure Island. No, no, no. You're getting it wrong. It's Muppet Treasure <laughs> it's Island. It's Muppet Treasure Island. Very yeah, specific. Correct. Oh, my God. Correct. Well, good. Well, I'm if glad. you want to follow us, us Muppets, you can follow us at the Biz Tape uh, wherever you get your media needs. Uh, so that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or email us, the Biz Tape Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Um, well, Colin, besides Knoxville, um, there's there's a lot of Knoxville tea, but uh, there's a lot of tea just in general with the music industry. As I always. I feel like happening. And, and one of the biggest ones is uh, Halsey. Gets their release date for that single that we so, talked about guess, on the last episode. Yeah, so I guess it's to catch people up before you start. Like, we talked about Halsey last week. I'm sure maybe if you've been following, you know, news and everything uh, going on with Halsey, you already know. But for people who don't, basically, Halsey had complained in two very viral TikToks that apparently her label was not allowing her to release this new music that she very much enjoyed and was very happy to release to the public because they wanted a fake viral moment and they wanted yeah, a TikTok yeah. trend. And it was, it was quote fake viral moment. Um, so if you really think about it, we talked about a lot of like the nuance between like how artists are treated um, as commodities rather than like human beings and like with feeling and spirit in this industry. Um, we've talked about kind of the different levels of like, you know, Halsey's at the very top. She, she's a huge megastar, whereas the indie artist is having to deal with a, like a lot more nuance and like a lot more, you have to work harder as an indie artist than you do as like a mega pop star when it comes to like promoting your music. Right. Um, which is why this was such a huge deal because it, like if Halsey's having an issue with this, maybe other people are having an issue as well. Right. And and it might be worse for people at the bottom. Um, but, unheard of, you know. <laughs> unheard of yeah. concept, right there. Yeah, uh, unheard of. Um, so yeah, like we said before, Halsey was not too pleased um, about the label basically kind of holding the single hostage, um, faking a viral moment, and they posted a series of melancholy videos, basically just like sort of lip syncing to the song. Yeah. depressingly and then with like a lot of text overlay just kind of blaming the label essentially um the original video has now garnered more than eight million views and it's soon to be nine million and as like this came out a lot of pressure came to the label um a lot of people were talking about it in the industry including us mm-hmm. and uh halsey got their wish and with the release date of june 9th accompanied of course colin with a very well-timed music video for a song that was written a month ago, apparently, um, and wanted to be released in about a month, or actually under a month, according to Halsey. Um, But the label has also had somewhat of an open letter tone to their tweet, like promoting the the, um, track, stating that in the description, 
Quote, Halsey, we love you and we are here to support you. We are committing to a release of So Good on June 9th, 2022. We are an artist first company that encourages open dialogue. We have nothing but a desire to help each other each one of our artists succeed and hope that we have that we can continue to have these critical conversations <laughs> to which Halsey responded with quote, literally all I care is that you get to hear it now. Thank you. Bye. Love you. So Colin, we talked about like our thoughts of like, whether this is like, this is the fake viral moment, right? Do we think that this is fake? Do you yeah. still think this is fake? You do think it's fake or or are you I don't know. It's just like, (laughs) I don't like marketing that feels like a rabbit hole and something that is, in my opinion, a very real issue. And so Mm -hmm. the part of me is like, I'm glad, like I said last episode, that Halsey has shed a light upon something that you, you know, clearly mentioned and people know is that when you're on the bottom, not much as Halsey that they've been struggling with this even more with trying to make these viral TikTok moments and how it's almost a requirement. But it's strange from the response from Halsey on some aspects when it comes to this entire controversy. And I don't Mm -hmm. really like it. Like I, I, for instance, I don't like how, short of a response this is from her uh, about this very, you know, we've turned a new leaf as a record label. Never, never heard that one before. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like all this kind of stuff where it just seems like, Oh, this was just a flip of a light switch. When in reality, this is a giant, giant company. I mean, she even brought up, I mean, she was, I believe she was originally signed somewhere else and then she got moved up to the major label, which was capital, I believe. So like what I'm trying to say is like, they're making it sound like, Oh yes, as a company, we've realized our wrong. And as quick as a light switch, we've changed everything. But as someone who has experience, we've changed our whole structure. Yeah. And knows people (laughs) who are in the industry and knows people who work for giant companies like this to have giant systemic change like this with, you know, no pitfalls, nothing is literally impossible. And so Mm -hmm. I, I also don't like going to Halsey's response, how, you know, just like cool, literally. Okay. Bye. It is where I feel like, she should have been up there like, that's great. I appreciate that. Thank you for writing my wrong. I hope that other artists don't have to go through this. But instead, yeah. she's like, cool, I got my bag. Bye. You know what I mean? And I, Yeah, I, 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 I see like. what you're saying. Do you think that that's kind of with her branding, though, that like it's anti-establishment, a bit like a bit rougher edge pop? Um, per se, do you think that that's kind of like playing into it? I don't into the into this narrative that like oh she's so like this label is coming down on her. Well, for that's the song that's what's weird about it. It's like yeah, Joe, I do think it fits in with what I think she should respond like. Like you're saying, against the grain, you know, not as traditional pop music and everything, and trying to stick up for herself and the little guys. So it seems like logistically I would guess that she would be like, Hey, little artists out there. I'm so sorry. You have to deal with this. I'm a huge artist and it's ridiculous for me. So let's make some change here, but it just feels 
strange in her response to be like, yeah, now that I have my problem solved, it doesn't matter anymore. And then on top of that, it just kind of gives this aspect of how much did you really care about this in the first place? You know what I mean? Yeah. And not just not to be like she didn't care about it. Maybe she just only cared about herself in this. And I don't blame her because obviously music is deeply personal. And in some aspects, hey, you only got to watch out for yourself sometimes when it comes to specifically what's going on in your music and what's going on in your record label. But it just seems a little callous to uh, mm-hmm. just go off immediately. And I brought up last time another thing of a response that I also didn't like the tone of was she said, well, and being an artist that literally has, I believe she quoted 185 million sales. She literally was like, I'm too big to fake this. And I went, no, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, you're not. Like literally other artists and they've been proven. Like we're talking about Florence and the machine. We're talking about Ed Sheeran. We're talking about Charlie XCX, all big artists have brought up, and said, hey, the label's making me make TikToks, so here's kind of my meme version of it, where in Ed Sheeran's case, for example, I'm just eating a bag of chips. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's proof. Other big artists are doing this that are arguably around the same size or even bigger than Halsey. So I just think that it's a little, like, the word I keep going back to is callous, where it's just like, okay, Halsey, was this obviously this was a big issue for you you wanted to get it resolved but you've unearthed something and you have the power as being a 185 million record sales artist to kind of promote some change in the industry and it seems like you're like well i got what i wanted or worse the like conspiratorial this was the plan all along you know (laughs) and we're in the matrix yeah the tiktok matrix colin halsey took the Um, red pill yeah and so it's just like what yeah i I don't know we're we're actually gonna get flagged we're gonna get flagged just for that statement honestly it's not Um, a stupid by the way before anybody does it's not like one of those stupid like guys that are like the red pill brother where now we know everything (laughs) else you know it's just been a matter of time it's like the guys on the train yeah, it's the dudes who podcast who haven't like showered in like eight days that are just yeah they have an opinion. It's about, the, about well, that's the but. dudes who podcast that go like, bro, I'm not putting that kind of shit in my body. Anyway, here's mm. our sponsor, Mister Magoo's All Magic of- Pills. You know, like, <laughs> and it's just like what? Uh, but anyway, what I, what I'm trying to say is like I don't. I, at the end of the day, I feel like Halsey does have a right to be a little bit selfish to be like, Hey, th- I was just trying to get my issue resolved. And the only way I could maybe talk to my record label, I'm still an optimist that she didn't make this up or this was kind of part of the plan or something. But to say mm-hmm. that there's not weird stuff going on with it is a little bit, you know, short sighted. And also yeah. on top of that, I just think that, her responses to a lot of, hey, can you clarify about this? If you are so upset about this, then why haven't you said, oh, my management company or my label company or like name some of these individuals that are causing you trouble or even like, you know, said specifically, this is why this is what's actually happened. And she's just been like, well, I'm too big to not do this. And K, bye. And that that's what's yeah. weird. I don't know what you think, Joe, but that's like, it doesn't really help her case. And I want it to be 
as real as possible because I demin- I think it, if it wasn't or it somehow, hey, somebody had a label leak that this was somehow partially faked or whatever, it would just diminish the fight that many artists are having in record labels, which is, hey, I make music primarily, so I'm not marketing central. So you can't just be like, go make a viral TikTok every three seconds because I'm mm-hmm. good at making music. I'm not an ad machine. And those are different skills. Obviously, everybody has to you know, market themselves, but there is a clear difference. There's a reason that artists aren't making, like, for instance, in your field, their own music videos 90% of the time and or making, yeah. you know, their own uh, graphic well, design 90% of the time. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, with, like, going back to just the whole situation with Halsey, like, I I find it a bit, like, so so the this article from Variety, which is what I'm pulling from today, uh, talked about how... Um, the release they wanted to Halsey wanted to release it earlier in the like it was basically made in like a month and they wanted to release it within that month or something right which I don't you know to those of you who don't know that much about the music industry listening it is that is insane turnover it's for a song release that is a tight tight turnover usually a song release is six months out um at like from the very least, at right? At least or usually because like it, three, because, you know, at yeah, minimum. because it like, because I guess a single, it's like more like three, yeah, t- three to six. And then for a record, it's, it's like six to a year, right? Um, or sometimes two years, depending on, on how big your record is, right? And how you have to get all of this, all of these assets together, which Halsey had to get. She had to get a music video put together. A professional music video, which they shot supposedly in that month, right? And then, oh, well, now the song is coming out. It's just like, to me, it seems a bit like it all seems very like timed together perfectly to where it's like, let's suspend this outrage and like really bring up the narrative that like labels hate artists. And then, and then your fans are going to support the song and innately give more labels money, right? right? For the song streams. Because streaming for artists is not, it doesn't go that much to the artist. The record label is going to be making the majority of like the streaming revenue. Now, it really is dependent upon artist deals. And I'm sure Halsey has a much more lucrative deal than most artists it would not surprise me though them. if literally like and when we say lucrative deal i'm talking like a 20 percent yeah it's like a 20 percent hike that's, yeah like, that's like prime time you know at 20 percent, you get 20 percent of that you know recorded revenue not to go into the publishing at all but like that's what i'm saying is like that that is big time record revenue right there 20 percent yeah yeah, it's it's pretty unheard of, right? In in most cases, you have to be a a very top artist, which Halsey is, right? But that's why it's so to me. It just seems so like timed perfectly. Of like, and it, it almost feels label structured in a way where it's like labels know that they're the bad guy, right? In a lot of people's they minds, th- yes. In so many people's minds, in artists' minds, in in managers' minds, in the general public's minds. Labels understand that they have a bad reputation. They are very aware of that. And so I feel like if this is a marketing ploy of them leaning into it, it's genius because it's tricking everyone, 
right? And it's playing into that narrative. But it's also, it's it also kind of like makes you think like what what what's truthful in the industry, right? Is this all just a performance? And at the end of the day, it usually is. Yeah. Does you uh, know? Does life imitate art, or art imitate life? You know what I mean? And that's yeah. kind of it, it. It's a little strange for me. Again, like my main my main point is about I just think that this is a real issue that artists are having to deal with and we're using it as a content piece as opposed to using it as a, you know, source of reform for the industry where we don't need to just send these artists into the woodwork of TikTok and go good luck. And by the way, we're Mm -hmm. not going to give you any money for it. So good luck. But uh, the point that I'm trying to say, too, I guess to play devil's advocate maybe a little bit is that your problem specifically is that the timeline is so you know close together that it seems so perfect improbable that you know all of these materials were ready to go already on the side if like halsey said they were just waiting um i mean part of me yes i do think that especially on the distribution side, because distribution can be just a nightmare when it comes to timing like that, but it is mostly digital. So it could happen. And I guess to play devil's advocate a little bit, Halsey in the second TikTok is specifically talking to some unlabeled individual. I mean, no pun intended, either management or some person from the label. And they said, Hey, we can get this kind of thing cleared you know, artist wise for her cover art by this date and we can maybe have it on Tuesday. So maybe there was evidence of them, you know, having the train running already and just waiting for something to be viral enough to press the button to go. But at the same time, part of me does not think that the label would without a pressing, you know, idea of when this is going to come out, have everything locked up and ready to go in a vault and go, we're mm-hmm. just going to sit on it until, you know what I mean? Well, not only that, but it's just, to me, it just seems, Hal- Halsey is such a huge artist, right? In the pop sphere, anytime Halsey releases a single, it does amazingly. Uh, especially in like an artist career way. I right? mean, she has 36 so, million listeners on Spotify. She's not, yeah. you know, it's small. not like it, this isn't just like an indie artist, like putting out a, just a random single. I feel like any label executive would be like, you want to release music? Awesome. Sweet. Let's put it out. We're going to make some money because right. like at the end of the day, we're both making money from this um, and we'll do our best to, to push it. But I do, I would like to bring it back to, I do think that like, even though if this is faked, I do think it brings up a very important conversation part in the industry of like how we are treating artists and how we are commodifying a lot of aspects of um, personal life that doesn't necessarily need to happen with every artist. Yeah, I don't think every artist needs to, to be on TikTok and needs to promote on TikTok, it really is dependent on you, the artist, right? 100%. But every single label person wants you to be on TikTok, and that's for a fact. Like, that's something that, like, 
I do. I I agree. I think it is a ginormous pressure, but I don't think it's a necessary one necessarily. Yeah, that makes sense. I think what I wrote in, I guess, also below link newsletter for all the stuff we don't talk about. But when I was talking about our poll involving, you know, do artists need to be on TikTok to be successful? One of the things I said was pretty close to that, which was you don't really need to be on there, but God, does it help? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's well, kind of what free, it is. It's free advertising. It is, but it's okay. It's free advertising in the, in the way of you're not paying money, but you are paying for your time with it. You're wasting time or not, maybe not wasting, but you're donating a lot of your time and energy into making these bite-sized pieces of content. Right that last 30 seconds, but maybe take you an hour to make, you know? I, I just think so, the thing that, you know, infuriates me and what's a real, is I feel like this is a real issue that is going on with artists where they feel trapped. And again, I just really want to stress the DIY nature that these labels take on because I get it. DIY content does very well on TikTok compared to heavily, giantly edited TikTok content. But the point that I'm trying to say is that it, it just feels... You know, if you're an artist and you're trying to work, you know, and at the end of the day, you get your money from either the advances from the label and then getting that money recouped back through streaming, album sales, whatever. You know what I mean? It just feels a little bit, obviously, hard for artists to stomach when, you know, you have this bill in your mind that you owe this company that you need to make back to go, I'm going to go do all this TikTok stuff, which is marketing it is helping, but I feel like for a lot of people, it's like one of those things where if you're just misdirected, it would be like if I just had an artist and I go, go on TV, just go on there. Ellen got canceled, so just go on there during that <laughs> spot and just stand out there for 40 to 35 minutes and be like, do you have any advice for me or whatever? Yeah, do stuff people like. Um, can you do that? <laughs> uh, people like, and then they'd be like, People like things that people like, like dancing or um, singing <laughs> or jokes or jokes or and I'm just like that's no, what Colin, the level covers. of people is. people love covers, Colin. People love you have covers. to have a cover, right? Exactly um, to be and a so, superstar. But, but that's what I'm saying is like I don't like the idea that there are people and labels that may be getting the idea from this that. You have to create a viral moment to get TikTok hype, regardless of inauthenticity and regardless of maybe dismissing a real issue that a lot of artists have in their forefront of their mind. I think it would be the same thing is like, you know, it, it would be like if it seems disrespectful at the end of the day to me. It feels like if somebody went up there and was like all their advertising was like them just being like, I have no money. And the reason I have no money is because the label won't pay me. So stream this up, baby. And I'm just like, ah, mm. that just feels like you're making light of a very big issue where artists run out of capital. You know, and just take any serious issue like that and try to make it the brunt of a TikTok joke. And that's what I feel like for a lot of artists. Yeah. And I get it. It gets weird because artists, you know, get paid for making music and they're not, you know, working nine to five in a steel mill somewhere. Right. I get it. But like the point is, is that it's just like, it's a lot of work to maintain it and it's still work. And regardless of what work you do, you deserve 
pretty comparable rights and pretty comparable um, expectation of what your job entails. And so far with TikTok, the label's just going, well, marketing is your job now. And then just going, are you going to give us more money? No. You know, and that's what I feel like it is. <laughs> so it, that's why this whole thing makes me a little upset. But that's kind of my tail yeah. end of it. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think that there's a lot of questions and a lot of conversations that need to come from it. I I am, you know, I do think bigger artists have every right to voice concerns over the music industry. I mean, if anybody should, it's artists who have been around um and have have success from it. Right. Um but I do think it is incredibly tone deaf uh in some ways to just be like Oh, I'm just huge. And I, this, like, there's no way that I could be making this up, you know, or like whatever. Yeah, know your worth, but don't be, you know, like that. But don't be (laughs) pompous about it. Yeah. You know, and I I don't know. I I just, I agree. I agree. Um, I do think it is, um, it's kind of all over the place, you know, people, people always have an opinion. And uh, we'll see if things actually change from it. I doubt it because it kind of proved their point. It proved the label's point. She had a viral, she had a fake viral moment, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and it worked. It got, that that song is going to get streamed so much now because of it. And there's going to uh, be people, people thinking, and the, the, the craziest part about it is there's going to be people thinking that it's like, I'm supporting Halsey and I'm screwing the label listening to it. When you're doing yeah. the exact opposite you're proving the label right and maybe potentially if this is a big issue that halsey deals with regularly the next song she has the label might go well you saw how that worked last time can you do that again bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 investments like acquiring america's largest biogas producer archaea energy and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. 
United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Okay, Joe, are you good to go? Yep. All right, cool. So, Joe, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a ride here, um, and we're going to talk about instruments, specifically about how Gibson is kind of changing the way that instrument manufacturing works um, right now. Mm. And uh, I don't mean that, like, they made some crazy cool thing They've tried, especially with those automatic tuner things that don't work. 
Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's, are you are you talking about the ones that like grab onto the neck? Yeah, or whatever? I, if and, like, you don't the, know what I'm talking the, about, Joe's pretty much said it right on there. It's like a little thing that goes on the back of the headstock of a guitar, and you're supposed to hit a button and it tunes itself. But they're notoriously <laughs> unreliable. Um, so it's really funny because people have a bunch of stories of them trying to tune, and then in the middle of a show, it just goes and then goes to a completely different thing. <laughs> And so, Why would you be using that in the middle of a show? <laughs> dude, people try. You got to have b- beta testers. Um, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's what's going on. So Gibson has notably won a verdict against Dean Guitar over guitar shapes. Um, hmm. So the, I'll give you a little background for maybe our non-guitar friends to explain how this precedent could literally affect all instruments that are known and being made today by different manufacturers. So mm-hmm. here's the deal for decades now, like guitar companies have been working off standards kind of set up first by guitar companies of the fifties and obviously like modifying and making their own. It's very like, you know, we made it this way. We added a little tweaks. We changed it, all that kind of stuff. Important players in the fifties are for instance, Fender, which most people know and Gibson, Um, which is going to be very important to the story. So for instance, like Fender would make like their iconic Fender strap, which if you don't know what that is, you know what it is. You just don't know what it is. If that makes sense. Uh, (laughs) so they made it, you know, they made their own body type shape for it. It's got its own pickup slash electronic system in there, color paint job, and they make their own versions. And basically the bread and butter of the industry for a long time has been taking, you know, tried and true ideas and making new ones, making new innovation and making new things occur in the guitar manufacturing space. For instance, uh, the Les Paul, if you know the Gibson Les Paul, the SG came out because they wanted to cut the other side of the Les Paul, which is why it's called a double cutaway guitar. It's literally, that's what the bread and butter of the industry is. It's just making a couple changes, moving there and making your own thing. But there's definitely people that ride the line with that. Um, and the important word here is derivative um, of like what you're making. If you're making something that's derivative, that means that people get confused when it comes to the actual guitars. Um, one of the most notable examples is that Gibson got copied a lot in the early eighties and nineties. And even now with all these like overseas manufacturers and they would make what there's even a Facebook page called it. It's called Chai Gibson. And it's just a bunch Mm -hmm. of fake guitars that are supposed (laughs) to make people think you bought a Gibson Les Paul, but you didn't, you bought something Mm -hmm. that somebody else bought over there. And you know, the problem with all this is that musicians are very, very picky as you know, Joe. And so a lot of them are not really going off the beaten path of instruments, if that makes sense. The guitar, for most of the time that it's existed from the 50s onwards, has been the guitar. You know what I mean? It's not been like mm-hmm. some crazy, oh, now we're doing the guitar only backwards or something. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> always usually been like, oh, here's a couple of strings, a couple of pickups. And the minute differences really come from like, like I said, the really nitty gritty stuff, like what kind of woods there are, how it's actually cut, the colors, the electronics, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
that's what people did was they were just like, okay, well, I know this picky musician wants something that's like a Fender Strat. Well, why don't I make my own version of that, but I make everything better in it. And that's kind of what has been the landscape of it. Obviously, people make their own designs and people make their own things, but a lot of people like the tried and true designs that literally come from the 50s. And that's why you Mm -hmm. literally see people from the 50s playing guitars that they're playing now, which is kind of crazy. But yeah. legally, you may have caught up to my logic here where this is where it gets confusing. What is copying and what is not copying? Um, in obviously the cases that I was saying before, when there's literally someone making a guitar and saying this is a Gibson guitar and it's not, that that's a problem, right? Because mm-hmm. people are like, well, I expect this from Gibson, and it turns out this is way cheaper and way worse, and now it's defaming Gibson's brand. And trademarks are all about protecting that. But yeah. it's been a really weird landscape for guitars. So guitars kind of had this very fast and loose, laissez-faire attitude towards designs. Stuff that mm-hmm. was kind of close, but was made by a different company, and they said, hey, this is ours. It's different. We did all these little electronic things. We did different cuts of wood. We used different wood. That's why it's different. That's fine. It's arguable in some people's minds that that could be trademark infringement if people get confused with your guitar versus another one, especially if you don't know the ins and outs of guitars, right? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know everything about electronics. I can't just look at, oh, yeah, that's that pickup. That's that pickup, you know. Oh, no. I would get confused too if you put a bunch in a lineup and we're like, pick me the genuine Gibson. And so Gibson for years has been kind of a big proponent in trying to take a lot of these people down, regardless of how some of these guitars are really transformative. They've really made new guitars that are like, Leagues better in some aspects than Gibson and some, you know, that Gibson's ideas they would take from other companies and add it to their newer guitars and stuff. And usually Mm -hmm. most of these lawsuits have been thrown out or appealed or whatever, except this Dean Guitars lawsuit that I'm going to talk to you about. So same Mm. kind of deal is that they accused rival Dean Guitars of copying the shape of companies' guitars like literally the shape and quote, the verdict came (laughs) out after more than which shows how hot button this was after three years of litigation, two weeks of a trial. And this was all why they were fighting tooth and nail where this armadillo enterprises, which is what Dean's parent company is, uh, was arguing that they weren't infringing the uh, the trademarks of a bunch of designs. So it's been Mm -hmm. highly, highly contested and a big thing in the industry. And now it's finally solved. If you want to know what they were actually claiming for guitar nerds out there, they were claiming that the flying V, which most people have actually seen, it's the literal V shaped guitar, the Explorer, the ES, the SG and the dove wing were all copied by Dean guitars. And so one of the most important precedents set in this actually comes from some of the language in the way that they settled this suit, which was that the jurors, which I'll get to jurors later, quote, rejected arguments by Dean that these designs have become so commonplace that they're now generic and free for all to use. 
mm-hmm. which is crazy if you think about it, because like I said, all these people have been copying each other and just making these differences that make them different enough that players are go, oh yeah, that's a way different guitar. But these jurors have just set a precedent where they went, no, even though these guitars have been around for 70 years and have been being copied for 70 years, they're not mm-hmm. generic enough just to be like anybody can make their own one. And so Dean, again, was then basically lambasted by Gibson saying that they were selling look-alike guitars, which I think is kind of hilarious in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> because again, yeah, because they want the guitar to be, just needs to play. Right. They want people to go, no, this is Dean's version of it. We've, th- you know, this is a way better version. We put all the bells and whistles on this. No one, mm-hmm. if you're buying a Dean guitar, you're not going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a Gibson. No, they, it's a Dean. So the jurors also ruled that Gibson had waited too long to sue Dean, which is kind of crazy. And so guess what? Again, three years of litigation and two weeks of trial. That means Gibson, you think, would get some money if apparently Dean had been, you know, infringing these trademarks wrong. They got a grand total of (laughs) $4,000 for all their time (laughs) doing this. Oh, wow. $4,000. I'm sure that costs maybe like, I don't know, half an afternoon with the lawyers. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's... That's the crazy part. But the real win in this is that Gibson now has set a precedent where they can come after these manufacturers because they've actually won one of these cases. They've been trying to do it for 10, 20 years now is to get these people who, uh, you know, in some people's minds are just making better versions of their guitars. They've Mm -hmm. won against them. So now they've even gone as far enough in the trial, people are speculating and say they could win an induction, like an injunction barring Dean from selling the designs that the jurors were infringed on basically. So like they were saying like, yeah, if these are Gibson designs, then Gibson could tell you don't sell these guitars. Although many legal experts say that there could be an appeal from that based on that, because that is like, you know, a way different difference between, Hey, you infringed our stuff versus you cannot sell any of these guitars that vaguely look like this really famous guitar company. Um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, for a lot of people out there, maybe if you're like a Gibson pro, you know, you love Gibson. I just kind of wanted to show you. And I've, I sent Joe some stuff about it, but Gibson has had this attitude that's very, very territorial especially compared to a lot of other companies that have kind of almost encouraged some off brands from being like, Oh, you can make innovation in the space. And Gibson's gone. No, that's mine. So here's an example of that. Uh, first thing that's really notable in the story is that Gibson has been falling from grace for years now. Joe, do you know anyone that owns a Gibson guitar, like an actual Gibson guitar? Um, Mm-hmm. Right, because what I'm trying to say is that they're fucking expensive. I, you know, you probably yeah. know this from playing it. Yeah, I mean, they're they're. I have a Gibson, and I I was lucky that it was a a used Gibson where the guy actually installed like um like original pickups. Yeah. Um, in them to make it sound like like an older Gibson guitar, and I got it for like three fifty. Which is like a steal. That's a great that price. That is incredibly yeah. a steal because if Huge you go on their steal. website, 
most of them are selling for like 100 where $1,500 is like kind of the yeah. bottom range of a gift. They, they are definitely like a boutique guitar company. Right. And they know? used to and be so like an everyman guitar company. Mm-hmm. But they and want it's changed a that. lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's exactly. A, a so they, and, and I think, you know, that's the thing with like even Gibson buyers now, like are getting so frustrated because of that, right? They're getting, they're getting overpriced out and it's almost like Gibson is wanting to shove these people out and just get like these, like, I don't know, kind of audiophile people. Well, to, it's like, funny you invest. said that. Well, I don't even think that I, I, you know, I heard Rick Beato say one time and I think it's true. He goes, there's not enough doctors and lawyers to substitute the Gibson family basically. <laughs> Because that's mm-hmm. who's buying them. They're $1,500 guitars. You know musicians, notable for their expendable income, right? No. And so, like, that's what I'm <laughs> trying to say is, like, they've been losing that battle for years. Now, they have a lower-end brand called Epiphone that a lot of people have online. But also, a lot of people over the years have gone against the quality control issues relating to both of those brands. But, mm-hmm. like, keeping that in your mind, that led to eventually in 20. 20- 18, the company went bankrupt. They had to declare chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is not the worst one. Chapter 11 is the one where you get to restructure your debt. Uh, but, uh, they had to declare bankruptcy because the company was just not doing well. They had $500 million in debt. So the point is, is that Gibson's has a lot of pressure on them only four years after declaring bankruptcy to start making some profit. And this leads into my favorite video online, which is this (laughs) Gibson branding video that got so destroyed. If you want an example also of the mindset of Gibson and why this is such a priority for them as a company. Other than financially not doing well, Gibson decided to try to make this idea of Gibson being authentic part of their brand. And that started under the guy who is a guy I used to watch all the time. Joe knows I used to watch all the time, which was Mark. Oh, Agnese. yes. Uh, you know, in the Mark Black- Agnese, yeah. baby. You know, we used if, to we used to all huddle in the living room, and we used to just watch Mark and Nisi videos until the the sun came up. Yeah, you know? he used to he uh, used to be on a channel called Norman's Rare Guitars, which Joe and my mm-hmm. old roommates just you know made fun of me for the end of time because every time they would come in, it would just be me watching <laughs> this guy and it'd be like, I got a uh, 1959 uh, Fender P bass here. Uh, I got I'm running it through a bass cab right here, all EQs at noon. Uh, a little bit of reverb. Here we go. And that's like all the videos. And so the point was, is that he was very well loved in the guitar community and he became Gibson's director of brand experience. Uh, I think in around 2019, 2018, somewhere right mm-hmm. after the bankruptcy. So Mark, who had experience doing content with, especially with guitars, like I said, he just demoed guitars for Norman's rare guitars, YouTube channel. He was the face of Gibson's new tagline, which was play authentically, which is Mm -hmm. such a very, (laughs) very verbose statement to say out loud. And basically, you can find this video because people re-uploaded it because Gibson, after the controversy of play authentically, took every YouTube video off of their platform. (laughs) 
because that's how bad it was yeah. received. If you can't get from the title, basically what the video was about was that Mark Agnesi was like, hey guys, as a company, Gibson, we've been making the real guitars for 125 years. There's nothing like a Gibson. There's nothing that even compares to a Gibson. It and sounds like a Chili's commercial. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like, it sounds so bad. And so it's just like, the thing that he was saying, and he even says that, is he goes, play authentic, play authentic Gibson. Because I guess if you can't afford $1,500, you're not a quality human being. So like, yeah. what I'm, like what I'm trying to say is that that was the whole it's thing. It's like that's, it like reminds me of that streamer that was just like, if you're watching my channel for free, why are you paying? <laughs> right. It's only You a should dollar. give all your money to me. Yeah. It's so, only a dollar. Okay, wait, can I add into that? So then on top of going on that and going, look, you know, he said in the video, he goes, this is a warning to manufacturers, which clearly it was because they went on to sue a bunch of people. And now in the Steam case, one, finally. Uh, but one of the funniest parts is that they called other guitars counterfeits. No matter like, they were like, if they copy them in any way, they're counterfeits. And I'm like, oh okay, it's called industry standards is what they are. They're not counterfeits. Mm -hmm. But then he calls all of those lower and then proceeds to, for lack of a better word, beg film and television to reach out to Gibson and not tape over their logos because they said, oh we want to work with people and brands. And then the funniest part after he says that is he then goes back and threatens film and television by going, by the way, covering it on just the headstock doesn't save you from, you know, any legal stuff, by the way. And I'm like, yeah, that's how you make a thread, a friend with a veiled threat. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's the mentality this company has had for years is that, and they've publicly wanted to state it is that for all the doctors and lawyers out there that can afford a minimum $1,500 guitar, they were like, play authentically because we're the only guitars that exist and everybody else who's even remotely close. Like, even if, you know, they use a whole different technology to build the guitars, they, you know, use different kinds of woods, they use different kind of electronics, they use different colors and shades and everything. If it's remotely close to Gibson, then you're copying them and it's a counterfeit and you are not playing authentically. So, Joe, what are your thoughts about playing authentically? I mean, clearly, first off, you bought that guitar for $350, so debatable if you're playing authentically uh, when you're not playing for $1,500 guitars. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am an uh, inauthentic guitar player, uh, and I stand with the uh, inauthentic guitar players, honestly. Um, I think... It, Gibson has this like such a bad um, reputation, especially like in Nashville. I mean, we've talked about it before. Even their uh, abhorrent working conditions with like a lot of their um, staff and uh, factory workers. Are you? Is, you're talking is, about the guitar factory that we know people that have worked in the guitar yeah, factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like it's it's such a huge like. It's honestly like, you know, not to say that it's like a bad job necessarily, but it's like it, it is a labor-intensive, soul-sucking job. I mean, um, we used that, to know people that work there. I knew a couple of people. I believe 
two, maybe three people that I knew that worked there and they were crazy overtime all the time. And it's not like, and it was like forced mandatory overtime. And part of the reason they might've done that, by the way, they used to have three offices. They had one in Bozeman, Montana that makes acoustics. They had one in Memphis that makes hollow bodies. And then they had one in Nashville that makes a lot of the solid body guitars. Well, after the debt restructuring Mm -hmm. and promising never to leave Memphis behind, they left Memphis and they combined it (laughs) into the Nashville guitar company. So what I think they did to appease creditors, instead of making solid marketing plans and lowering margins or whatever from the aspect of, Hey, we can make, you know, quality guitars that don't break the bank. They went, we'll do that to our employees. So I think those Mm -hmm. guys who are working in the Nashville Guitar shop for Gibson. Feel free. You know what? Feel free. If you work for the guitar factory in Gibson in Nashville, please reach out to me. Uh, who are working there, and I've heard the horror stories from, are probably working two jobs, really. They're making double yeah. the guitars, I bet. Mm-hmm. Which is but, crazy. I mean, that it, like, it just kind of shows, like, as a company, Gibson has had such a hard time, not only internally uh, dealing, like, with people uh, and treating people with, uh, respect, I feel like, mm-hmm. but also, um, externally, right? Like they've just years and years of the deterioration of the Gibson brand has been so apparent. Um, and they, they it's from a lot of, um, decision-making of that's just so out of touch with, with reality as well as the modern age, um, which is why Fender has completely destroyed them in the marketplace because Fender as a company does not sue you for having a Fender in your music video. Does not like uh, uh, care if you have a Fender on stage. Encourage not, it. You know, doesn't, encourages it because at the end of the day, it's free advertising for them. Why would they, why would they close that uh, like for them? One of the right? smartest it's like the same, companies I've ever it's seen. It's the same thing as like the iPhone, right? With like movies. You can have an iPhone in a movie. You don't have to clear it. Right, you just can't have a villain character with an iPhone, but <laughs> no Morbius but uses an that, iPhone Max. No, no Morbius <laughs> iPhone usage. Oh God! <laughs> but um, what were you saying? Well, Sorry, I, I was saying you, I was like that's off. their main competitor since the fifties. Fender has just completely eclipsed it. First off, bass guitars. No one plays Gibson basses usually. No one. All these people are playing Fender basses all of them. And then the, on the other Mm -hmm. front with guitars, yeah, huge dominance when it comes to, you know, specifically the Strat, but also I just don't want to underestimate the artist relations that Fender does. The amount of people that go here, get this free guitar here. Feel free. If you have any questions, let us know. You want to work with us on making a guitar? Great. Let's do it. All this kind of stuff. They have been so much more open than Gibson, who I feel like has a little bit too high of a brand value in their own internal company. And that's why they've been getting beat out by a lot of these smaller guitar makers who are making, in my opinion, distinguishable upgrades to Gibson guitars and are making them, you know, different and not causing confusion with consumers. People are buying these on purpose because they're not a Gibson on purpose yeah and so yeah that's because, the crazy because part. of how how like bad gibson has like uh tarnished the brand as well as just like not listening to their consumers and what they want right 
they wanted better guitars that held up to today's tech and and tone and at the end of the day they're they're not able to do that as well as like i really do think it comes down to the pricing too the pricing is a huge deal gibson gibson has just like shat on their consumers because of like how insanely overpriced these guitars are i think or, yeah you're not you're not even getting enough bang for your buck if you're paying a thousand dollars for a guitar the guitar better be like tucking you in that night <laughs> it better be well it better be like talking to you when you walk into the door is about a good range for a working musician who will make that money back 800 to a thousand yeah so mm-hmm. 1500 is a stretch for the bottom ones and on top of that, yeah. I you know going back to Epiphone, which is their you know more friendly priced uh, lower company that does that. The problem with those is uh, mostly quality control. I've seen a crap ton of videos where they go, "Hey, we have this Epiphone, and I bought it, and it's only two hundred bucks, but it's just crappy." Like, and basically, funny enough, what a lot of these guys doing end up doing like luthiers and stuff is they just kind of remake the guitar for like a hundred dollars more and they make it to a crazy Mm -hmm. good guitar and guess what that is that's what manufacturers are doing they're making new designs of these guitars basically a lot of the time indistinguishable from gibson that people aren't getting confused about i also wanted to hit on you know before we maybe wrap this up is this went to jury okay if you if you have difficulty keeping up with the terms that i'm saying which fine i don't mind you know i don't know everything about everything obviously so like if you're not a guitar player i don't blame you if i say hey are those p90s or single coil pickups is that a rosewood or is that an ebony fingerboard all that kind of stuff is confusing that's why they wanted a jury because if you Hmm. look at you know two guitars side by side and they're both red and they have kind of the same shape it's pretty easy to convince people oh yeah, those are kind of similar. But like if you get a real guitar player in there, the people who are actually buying these things and are actually like interested in them, they go, no, 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 this is way different. Like that's got two volume knobs. That's got six strings. This has got seven strings, you know, all that kind of stuff where it's just like, yeah, there's a big difference in education when it comes to that. So I definitely think a jury was planned on Gibson's part here. They were like, we want a jury. We do not want a judge. We want a jury to Mm -hmm. decide this. And I think that's a really big precedent. Like I said, they've sued multiple companies trying for this for years and have failed multiple times. That's the reason I brought this up. This is the big story with this is that this is the first time they've actually won with it. So this is like, yeah, but it but because they won, it now sets that precedent of like, yeah, this is this could be like, um, this this could be idea stealing, right? It, and it, for Mark Agnesi's threat in that video I mentioned, where he goes, "Watch out, manufacturers," was not very much of a loaded threat at that time, other than we could sue you. <laughs> but now it's super, it, you know. Mark Agnesi threatening is it's not as threatening as you might think <laughs> watching a Mark Agnesi video, but uh, I think he's yeah, threatened I, by I his do. leather jacket more in those hot lights now yeah. of the time. Yeah, and the the leather jacket that he's been wearing since he was like twelve. He doesn't take it off. <laughs> he just out of always the has it. 
He's just, been sweating in that jacket for decades. <laughs> Mark Agnesi's been sweating in that jacket for 30 years, winning hard work <laughs> yeah. into that jacket. If you take it off, it's like infused into his skin. Oh, God. <laughs> It's so bad. Infused in his it's yeah. like a it's like a really shitty build a bear where his clothes are just kinda like sewed <laughs> in to it, but it's just the leather. Mark Anisi, build a bear, the the new build a bear line. <laughs> oh my god. By Mark Anisi. Yeah. yeah. Well anyway, Colin. Watch out, guitar manufacturer. <laughs> BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the US economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like, choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline yeah what watch out guitar manufacturers and uh guitar users and, and uh, movie you know, people please put what, us in movies or we'll sue you colin yeah Colin, what's some authentic music you've been listening to oh man um well that's hard joe because i don't know if anybody uses gibson's in the, in the music <laughs> oh uh, that's true that's true oh uh, uh, god no uh yeah i've been listening to um a buddy of mine recommended me and i sent you this song i don't know if you actually listen to it or not but the viagra boys um yes i love that song yeah uh it's that, so good yeah i sent it because i thought it's post-punk if you guys know what that genre is it's it's if you don't know what post-punk is, it's music that is kind of in the same sentiment of like rebellion that punk is, but has kind of moved past the constraints that punk, you know, regular setups are, if that makes sense. Like, so there's more mm-hmm. modern features in this. There's maybe not less, there's more complexity usually in the songs compared to more of like the quick AB of like a Ramones or the Sex Pistols and stuff. But the one I'm talking about, which I think is great, I think it's a great just rock song. It's called Troglodyte, which you may remember from mm-hmm. your seventh grade biology class. Uh, but it is, uh, <laughs> it's by Viagra Boys, who are also on the same label, which my friend brought up to me, as Young Lean, which I thought was very Who's interesting. That? You don't know Who's Young, Young Lean? Lean? Young Lean. No. Oh, Young Lean? Yeah, oh, Young, gotcha. Young <laughs> Lee from Naruto is on the same... <laughs> label as this yeah no uh but they're both they're both swedish acts so it kind of makes sense that they would m- be on the same label I, apparently th- from what i've read and heard is that they kind of run in the same circles and that's how they got to know each other mm. um so well nice yeah Joe, yeah that's I, i've had that song stuck in my head i actually been blasting it um while trying to find parking in la um, I thought that was I've easy been and listening. affordable the last time we talked about parking in LA. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, okay. It's um, it's easy and affordable 
once you get the spot, but finding the spot, the spot is the hard part. Um, but you can you can find it, it you it within like a two block radius, so it's not that bad. Fair. Um, I've been listening to Lamalai, uh, Ego Dream, a track by Lamalai, uh, who actually is an LA based artist that came out with their, I think it's like their third EP. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty great. It's very chill. I would, I I like this like new age. Um, uh, what is it? Um. What is that like genre of music called where it's like uh, it's it's um, electronica this like new age electronica kind of sound that's a bit more heavy handed and like dancey but like also has like lyrics that are a bit more relatable um, and then I've also been listening to a band called Lime Garden uh, their track Sick and Tired which is amazing love everything about it. Uh, and our boy, we can't forget our boy, Drumming Bird, with his song, American Spirits, uh, that just came out, uh, which you should definitely check out if you have Yes, the our time. first guest on the show, on tour right now, I actually, their manager sent us uh, their stuff in our music submission page, which is uh, attached to our newsletter. Oh, hell yeah. So if you have uh, music, I saw their... Um, I, I saw his... I'd, I'd never seen his like EPK before, and I was like, man, I remember... Mixing awesome. And then I was just sitting there and I was looking at the videos and I was like, oh yeah, me and Joe did that video. And, <laughs> you know, it was just funny because <laughs> I was just like, yeah, if you look in the credits of that video, that's Colin McKay and Joseph Wazaleski. So it's funny you're sending us an EPK of our own stuff that we made with them. But <laughs> yeah. I, I love his manager. His manager is great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see what um, Austin, who's the lead in Drumming Bird, uh, is, is going to do. I really think... He's actually on tour with Daniel Nunnally right now. He is. Uh, another MTSU grad um, that we know. And, another um, MTSU grad I'm, that MTSU will remember and then bury into the ground with their marketing because yeah, they can only have one at a yeah. time for some reason. You know, soon, sooner or later, Daniel Nunnally will have a building named after him that used to be a subway, but <laughs> like, it'll happen on campus soon yeah. enough. He will get a subway of his own. Um but yeah, what it's what crazy. what campus building do should we have, Colin? At MTSU, I think campus? we should have. Yeah, yeah, I think we should have the the parking lot that's like w- the gravel lot that's way far out that you have to you have to walk across campus. This just is to some get specific MTSU like culture. We're going knowledge, into. yeah, deep knowledge. No, going I on. mean, if I was gonna own something in a in a college, for sure, you would own the parking. I'll be over there being like. You know, the parking pass is like $200, but my parking's like two quarters. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I would be doing. Yep. So. Hell yeah. Who knows? Man. Cool. That works. What an ending. <laughs> what an ending. It's over now. That'll be the end of <laughs> um. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening to the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. We sure do appreciate you out there. If you could do us one more favor, please give us a review on wherever you're listening to. Or if you want to follow us on socials, Biz Tape pretty much everywhere. TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram for all the updates as well as our newsletter, which covers things that I can't cover in the regular show just because they're too long or there's just always something going on in entertainment. So if you want to be a part of that community, please feel free to sign up for our newsletter below. It's free 
free. You can't beat that price. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to hear from you next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.